What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm Daniel Guevara, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are back to talk about another week of football that has been down. Uh, This is week four that we just wrapped up. Uh, Please excuse me before I go any further. Uh, My voice has actually been going out um, after I went golfing uh, on Saturday, so please bear with me on that. But we got a lot to talk about when it comes to last week's games, specifically our game of the week. And there were some games that uh, actually came down to the wire and uh, some teams that actually surprised us this week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and actually one team that nobody probably anticipated to go 3-0, and started their season 3-0 and this season, but we'll touch on that in a little bit. Well, uh, let's dive right on into it. Uh, we're not going to go in any specific order this week, so we're going to start with the Casa Grand Cougars who went and took on Paradise Valley and ended up winning 45-15. to So another impressive uh, victory by Casa Grand. Any uh, players that kind of stood out to you uh, from that game? One player that I was definitely impressed with their efficiency was quarterback Alterna Fatty Gant, who went 23 for 30 and had just under 200 yards with a touchdown. And that team itself just seems to be meshing so well. Um, In the start of the game, it kind of started off a little slow when we were keeping track of the halftime scores. It was a little bit lower than we had expected, but come to the end of the night when we find out the final score and, and Cash Graham was able to put them away. How did you feel knowing that they were able to put them away and put them away by a pretty big margin? I was impressed. I think for me, Casa Grand has taken care of business the last two weeks on teams that I thought that they would um, not really have a challenge from. I mean, in the past two weeks, they've outscored their opponents 95 to 15 just to show what they've been doing on offense and defense as well. Overall, you kind of had a balance attack uh, where they passed for 176 yards and also rushed for 258 with a combined five touchdowns. So on the offensive end, you can't ask for nothing better than that. And uh, even though they don't have their defensive stats inputted as of right now, um, I'm sure giving up only 15 points in the last two weeks after uh, having that first game against Corona del Sol, it's kind of showing what a balanced team Casa Grande is, and now their record stands at 2-1. and one. But this is something that we kind of anticipated with Casa Grande. We didn't really expect for them to take the loss to Corona del Sol and trend downward this year. We kind of expected them to take their lick from Corona del Sol, go in and take on these Tucson teams that they're actually known to be pretty successful against, and they're showing exactly why. Oh, without a doubt, and I think that this is only going to give them momentum as they move forward and start getting into their region play. And to me, I like I said, they're the front runners for me when it comes to uh, their region. I have them, uh, you know, possibly even moving up uh, the rankings in 5A as the season nears. I know they're kind of in a situation that they were in two years ago when they were in the Tucson regions, which is what is the strength of schedule kind of looking like? How far will they be able to move up and earn the respects, not only in the 5A division, but from the AIA as well? Because, like I said, I think this is one of the most talented teams this year when you have a lot of question marks that were coming into this year. So for them to kind of bounce back from that first game loss and have only given up 29 points in three games. You definitely got to be impressed with them. And I would say uh, to the 5A division, don't sleep on this team because that's what people started doing two years ago, and we know where they ended up in the 4A division that year. Yeah, the year they won the state championship, they were very underappreciated. They were ranked behind the team that they ended up meeting in the state championship final in Post and Butte. Uh, multiple times, even ourselves. We we ranked them, uh, I think it was once or twice in in our uh, rankings that we used to do, RIP. Um, we had put Post and Butte in front of them. And the thing that I enjoyed was we got messages from like Ben, from D. They're like, oh, we wanted you to do that. We wanted <laughs> you to put them ahead of us because that's exactly what we needed. 
And come to find out when the championship game unfolded, they they did what you said. They took care of business and they ended up becoming state champions. And I think that Casa Grande is definitely on track to do the same thing this year. All right. Well, let's move into our next team, which is the ALA Anthem South Titans, who traveled down to Catalina to take on the Trojans. And unfortunately, it was another loss for uh, uh, the Titans uh, as they lost 30 to 20 to Catalina. But the biggest uh, thing that you have to see there is the 20 points that they were able to put up on the Trojans. And and even though there was no stats uh, inputted for this game, you know, I wish I could acknowledge some players here because they did exactly what I hoped they would do, and that was a little victory. That was to score that first touchdown. They did that. Now they scored even a little bit more than I thought they were going to score. And for me, that's a positive sign for their future games to come. And this was the game that I was speaking of earlier. Talking about Catalina, when we were doing our preseason game rankings where we would choose whether a team would win or lose, I'm pretty sure you were just like me and thinking that Catalina was going to remain at the bottom. And, and I had given them zero chance to go 3-0 and in the beginning of the season. How about you? No, I'm there with you. I think probably not only us, but all of Southern Arizona, you know, and the Tucson area probably didn't have this team going 3-0, and but those are the toughest things to really judge when you go year to year and you get people transferring, you know, to different schools or you get a, a coach that's helped uh, develop those players. And, you know, we can always talk about the uh, Santan Foothills uh, season last year as a big reason why. And, you know, even into Maricopa this year, you never know what's going to happen when it comes to high school football. You still got to take the field. You still got to play an opponent, even though on paper they might not look good. Mm-hmm. And right now Catalina is playing good ball right now. And and I don't want people to think like, okay, this is going to be a playoff team because then you look at the uh, type of competition that they played. It's not – the best teams, you know, in uh, the two-way region. But at the same time, it's a start of something positive for that uh, football team that they can carry into not only the rest of this season, but for years to come as well. Speaking of carrying on, do you think that this was one of those games that showed the changing of the tides where Catalina is kind of like passing the torch to ALA and kind of giving them the chance to – get on the struggle bus and Catalina move on past them and become a team that actually moves in a positive trend? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, their upcoming game against Bisbee will really tell that. You know, Bisbee, uh, we know what happened to them. We'll get into their uh, game a little bit later. But as far as Catalina goes, they have to still sh- uh, show that they can beat the teams at the middle tier. They're still considered the lower tier and gradually moving up. But, yes, I think right now you can say that ALA Anthem South, uh, Sam Pasquale, who's been down there uh, quite a bit as well, those are the teams that can one day become what Catalina is doing. And uh, so I don't want ALA Anthem South to really think that they're going to be there forever because once you get that development, once you get that culture built, you can see something like this happen where you uh, have this – amazing start to your season and be three and oh and this was a team that didn't have enough players I, I believe one year or a couple years ago right they only had I think the only game that they would go and beat would be uh San Pedro who we know uh didn't have a season this year mm-hmm. uh due to lack of players but um Catalina I mean got to be impressed with them but like I said with ALA Anthem South uh wish I could um Shout out some players on there. So, you know, if you're listening, ask your coach to uh, get your stats put in so we can sit there and acknowledge you guys. And I know uh, this has to be a big positive for ALA Anthem South is the fact that in their third game, they're finally able to put some points on the board. All right. Well, speaking of positives, let's talk about a positive outcome that happened for the Coolidge Bears. The Coolidge Bears played the Combs Coyotes and defeated them 36-14, to improving their record to 2-2 two and two, and unfortunately dropping the Combs Coyotes to 0-3 on the season. 
what were some things that stood out to you about this match as we were checking in on the scores throughout that Friday night? It would definitely have to be that Coolidge did something they haven't done all year. They played from behind, and they were able to. Um, they played from behind and were able to come out victorious. We have not seen that yet from Coolidge. You know, even coming into last year, mm-hmm. if they got behind, most likely they were going to lose the game. <clears throat> most likely they were going to lose the game. So for me, I think looking at that has to make you start feeling good about where the Coolidge program is going, especially once they start uh, getting into these region matchups where they're gonna each week is going to be a tough week for them, you know, the rest of the season. They still got ALA Ironwood. They still got Santan Foothills, Florence. And so if they can sit there and consistently either get ahead of a team and keep the lead or do something like they did here where they were down a couple of touchdowns, and were able to claw their way back and uh, pick up the win. I think they have a really good shot to contend for this 3A Central Championship. They definitely turned things around in my eyes because in the first few games, I wasn't really sure what to expect with Coolidge. There were so many holes in their offense that left me worried about who was going to lead the team, who was going to be the quarterback, because in the start of the season, it wasn't really – clear or you couldn't really see the the confidence I would say in Gavin under center now with a couple of games under his belt and even I I think that those games where he struggled and in in the Benjamin Franklin game where you said that he was on the sidelines sick as a dog I think that those problems are exactly what he needed in order to strengthen his mental stability to lead this team because you're as a leader you're going to go through those peaks and valleys and the thing is to 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 maintain the ability to stay on top. And I think that Gavin definitely has that leadership quality and he can help the Bears stay a a competitive team. But I'm more curious to see what is to come throughout the rest of the season from this team. And if you look at their stats, I mean, Gavin threw for 152 yards and the team has a whole rush for 221 yards with four touchdowns. The big thing I will circle around here is I'd like to see Gavin lower the amount of interceptions that is being thrown. And, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to go out there and throw for 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns for this team to win. They are more than capable to run it down your throat if their line is, you know, coming to play. But the amount of turnovers, I just like that reduced because it's a real balanced attack. I mean, he attempted 15 uh passes and uh, they rush the ball 46 times so you kind of know what they're going to come with the thing that I'm impressed with most has to be how the defense has held up after that 55 point um, game against Sabino they've given up six points to Benjamin Franklin I believe they gave up 20 points and one of them was a last minute touchdown to Santa Cruz and then you come in to Uh, Combs, who's been struggling, has uh, been plagued by injuries, and they give up 14 points. So in the span of three weeks, they've given up 40 points. So that is really good to see when it comes to Coolidge, is that the offense is getting going, the defense is holding pat, and I have to shout out a couple of players, especially number 10 for Coolidge, which is uh, Alizara Costa, who we know wasn't uh, playing the first couple of games, He comes out and gets 16 tackles, 10 of them by himself with three tackles for loss. And, of course, you get Andre Dukes with 11, Maurice Glass with eight, and Matthew Makazan, nine tackles, four tackles for loss. So you're starting to see that defense gel, especially having Acosta back in the lineup. You're starting to see Jaleel Bishop, who got an interception, returned it up. I believe it was an interception or fumble recovery. He returned it all the way at the end of the game. Those were the pieces that we didn't get to see week one. That They either weren't on the field or they weren't getting the playing time that uh, they are getting now. And now you're seeing that experience really start to uh, mold that uh, Bears defense. Would you say that this Coolidge defense is probably the most toughest in the 3A Central region? Uh, That's tough to say. I mean, I can't really say that without seeing how uh, Santan Foothills has played 
We talk a lot about ALA Ironwood and what they did their first couple of games. And, of course, you have to give the respects to Florence. So until I can actually get on the field and see, we're going to see a couple of those teams play later on in the year. But I can't really say that, but I will say that they have a good uh, argument to be one of the toughest and one of the best. So, um, But what about, let's go into Combs. It's a team that is now 0-3. I know uh, we can't really look at their stats. We know that they are coming off that loss against uh, Eastmark. And now they fall victim to a team that they really exposed last year in the Coolidge Bears and now fall to 0-3. What are your thoughts on how you see the rest of their season uh, kind of folding out? I think that this is probably a bad sign of things to come for the season. We we touched on it last week about the injuries to the Coyotes. Um, I wish the Combs Coyotes all the best this season, but I feel as if they're going to struggle a lot and this is something that Combs isn't necessarily used to they're used to coming out every year and being a competitive team that goes out there and strikes fear into their opponents a lot of the times this year that's a little different I feel that all the pressure is on Will Brady and it's it's not fair to him because he doesn't have the and, and it's 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 a weird euphemism to make. He he has the gun, but just doesn't have the bullets right now because all the bullets are on the sideline, and he and he has no you know no choice in that. I feel like once he's able to build up some chemistry with his teammates that are currently in the game and are and are able to help facilitate some offense, maybe Combs will be able to scrape away a couple of wins this season. But I don't see it being a winning season for the Combs Coyotes. And we'll see. Uh, maybe they can possibly pick up a win this Friday uh, as they play a, an opponent that is kind of struggling the same way as them. So maybe that might be the little bit of confidence boost that they need to kind of salvage the season. But let's go on into the Gila River Bowl, which featured the Florence Gophers traveling down to Santan Foothills this year. And boy, was it a great matchup. The final score of that one was the Gophers 26 and the Sabercats 20. And the Gophers were able to take home the Gila River Bowl this year. Your thoughts on that game? It was pretty much a one-dimensional game for the Sabercats. If you look at the stats and right off the bat, you look at Dalton Norman, he went 0 for 4 with an interception. Um, that tells me that a lot of their game was played on the ground and it kind of gave the Florence defense a rest, at least their secondary, because they didn't have to worry about anything going through the air or anything getting past them to make a big play. Um, I, I applaud the Sabercats. I actually picked them to win this one. They, they were able to come out and, and draw first blood, but this Florence team, we've talked about them plenty of times before. This Florence team is scary, bro. They 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 put out so much effort, and it shows at the end of the game because they, they've, they've shown it plenty of times this season and last season where they've played in the face of adversity. They've had to play from behind, and they ended up coming back and winning. I think that that was exactly what set Florence up for the type of success that they're feeling this season, don't you? Yeah, I definitely would agree. You know, um, I definitely got to applaud uh, Santan Foothills for the fight that they put up. To me, this kind of boiled down to who was going to get the ball last. Florence uh, ended up with a, about a two-touchdown lead, I believe, during about halftime mm-hmm. or in the third quarter. And for the Sabercats to kind of get their way back and, you know, uh, they rushed, like you said, for 406 yards. And so to see that, you definitely got to applaud them uh, for the fight that they did and almost made the tremendous comeback against Florence. But that's one thing that Florence is so good at is if they get a lead, they know how to hold on to that lead by the time the game ends. And if you look at it, they were kind of in the same boat as Santan Foothills. Logan Stenson only uh, completed two out of his four passes for 33 yards. The sole yardage came mainly from Joseph Carroll, who had nine carries for 205 yards and four touchdowns. So the fact that he had a big day and averaged almost 23 yards a carry, it shows that he was 
a tough person for the Sabercats to stop. And we talked about what was it going to be like for them to play without Josh Jackson. This is another week that they were without him, and yet another person stepped up in place of him to help this team succeed. And it just goes to show that when it comes to the Gophers, no matter who's in or who's out, it's next man up, and they all have the ability to shine. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. You hear the name Joseph Carroll, not a name that we've spoken of often when we speak of the Florence Gophers, but for this kid to come into this game, like you said, take that next man up mentality and leave the game with four touchdowns. That's big. And when I think about it, that's more than likely what probably led to the Sabercats' demise because they had no intel on this kid. So when, when they see him jumping into the game, they don't know what to expect from number nine. But now I'm sure throughout the rest of the season, number nine is going to get a lot of playing time right next to or possibly behind Josh Jackson. All right, but let's roll into another team that we've been pretty impressed with their turnaround this season. The Maricopa Rams go down to Tucson to blank the Sawarita Mustangs 45-0. to zero. This is something unheard of. We, we always wished the Maricopa Rams well, but this is the first year where we can wish them well and watch them because it's not just a, a matter of speaking on hoping they do well, and then coming back and talking about the sad story. Now, they're going out and taking care of business. What do you contribute this main difference to to the Rams and this this huge culture shift that isn't necessarily seen all the time on the east side of the county? What a difference a year makes for somebody like Jose Cardona Jr. I mean, I talked about them running that spread offense and how it had not been successful for them. But something has changed in a year where he's able to grow and mature as a quarterback and take on that leadership role as being the sole guy for that offense. The kid throws for 303 yards and five touchdowns against uh, the Mustangs. And then you have uh, Deion McCain, who had four receptions for 142 yards and a touchdown. So it's showing me that they have a great connection right now when it comes to both of those, but it's the confidence in Jose uh, Cardona that is making me a believer when it comes to the Rams. Granted, I know Sabuita started the season off good. I I believe they were um, one and one coming into that game, but it's still – a big quality win when it comes uh, for the Rams, who kind of like Catalina, they were at the bottom of the 5A uh, division and now are kind of showing a presence. But at the same time, now the next thing I want to see is can they beat a quality opponent who will no doubt have an advantage over them. If they can somehow knock off a team that is in the hunt for a playoff spot, this team will be the real deal. And, you know, I, I, I just love the victories that they've accumulated, which is um, back-to-back wins where they've outscored their opponents 96-7. to So they're putting it uh, – so they're putting up the points on offense. They're doing an amazing job on the defensive side. Now the next step is – to beat one of those teams that are going to be fighting for a playoff spot for me. And if they can do that, this team is definitely going to be somebody to uh, kind of keep on your radar as a sleeper. After this game, Saurita drops to 1-2 and two and Maricopa improves to 2-1. and one. We talked about this before. Do you think that Maricopa is able to actually have a season where they go 5-5 five and five this season? It can definitely be possible. I mean... Um, one of the, I had most of their wins coming from their region alone. And so I had them with three wins. They're already at two. Mm-hmm. They play five region games. So they can definitely possibly, they can definitely uh, possibly be at five, maybe even possibly six wins and even be uh, region champions by the uh, the end of the season. Let's hope that they can make that happen and have this turnaround be that successful. 
Now let's talk about a game where it's the complete opposite for Pinal County. The Phoenix Christian Cougars go into Maricopa and thrash the Sequoia Pathway Pumas 56-6. to Not many positive things to, to, to touch on here for Sequoia Pathway, but was this something that you were expecting from Phoenix Christian coming into this game, especially knowing how the state of the Pumas was? I mean, it's been consistent if you look at, you know, the previous three games when it comes to the Pumas. Did I think Phoenix Christian was going to score 56 points on them? I did not. You know, I know that they were a struggling team coming into this game. But at the same time, I mean, the, the scores speak for themselves. It's a consistency on both sides of the ball. Their defense is giving up a lot of points while their offense can barely get going. And if you look at the stats from this game, they had 118 total yards, uh, speaking of the Pumas, and they gave up over 315 yards total uh, to Phoenix Christian. So you have to find an equal balance when it comes to Sequoia Pathway is that should be one of the goals that they have this year is to keep a game close. If they're able to lower that score a little bit, get their offense going, it's only going to build confidence for themselves as the season progresses. And I just, it's just hard to see, you know, two years removed, this was a team in the playoffs. Last year, I know that uh, they went five and five, and it wasn't the season that they wanted. But to see them kind of pretty much having to start all over, the, the experience. I will say one thing with this young team is the experience that they're building, you know, uh, playing varsity level football in the next in the next coming years. This team will start getting back into that trend of their winning ways. And it, it just sucks that this year they're, they're not able to be that team that we know them to be. And this is a team that's losing by an average of 60 points. The one bright spot I can say about this team is at least they're able to put some type of offense on the board in their first three games. They managed to at least score an average of of, of at least a touchdown every game, so that's a positive spot. But with this next home game against Chandler Prep coming up, I don't feel like it's going to get any easier for the Pumas. No, Chandler Prep is going to be a tough team uh, to play. I mean, they're currently undefeated, but... I just hope that there's a game in their season where they might have a possibility to have a balanced matchup and be able to get some experience of what it's like to not only keep a game close, but possibly pick up a victory. But let's move on into the Vista Grande Spartans who went over to uh, visit the Crisman Rattlers and the Spartans do it again won uh, 43-0 to zero against uh, Crisman. What were your thoughts when you saw this score? This is a different Vista Grande team. This is a team in uncharted territory. They're a team that is looked at to be a threat. Nobody that they've played has kind of given them the shot of being the upper team or the team above them. They've kind of challenged Vista to match their toughness, but no team has been able to, to do that so far. With Crisman, I feel like with them coming into Queen Creek and blowing out a team that is, it's got a really tough schedule. We've talked about this in private that, that we were trying to figure out what was the main goal for this team because it, it certainly wasn't to get wins because they're facing quality teams that have really good histories behind them and – if you look at their record so far, it's panning out to be a really, really tough season for the Crisman Rattlers in their first season in AIA play, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've been outscored, I believe, 176 to 20, you know, in their first four games. I know that a lot of talk was comparing them to some of the other Queen Creek and uh, Gilbert schools, preferably ALA Queen Creek and um, ALA uh, Gilbert North. But it just hasn't panned out for them, and they still haven't even gotten to uh, any region matchups yet. So 
I don't know what to expect when it comes to this team uh, by the end of the season. You know, they did put up 20 points against Sabino, but after that, it's been complete zero. So definitely an eye-opener uh, for me when it when talking about how uh, we projected them to be at the beginning of the season. I know we had them going 0-10, but there was a lot of hype around them. For me, for the Spartans, they did what they had to do. You know, uh, this was a struggling Crisman team. Vista Grande didn't do like anything out of the ordinary on offense. They got 364 yards of total offense. Uh, Brendan Hunt threw for three touchdowns. Uh, Fernando Moya did his thing, run, rushed uh, for 133 yards and two touchdowns. And then you had uh, Darnell Castro with five catches for 124 yards and two touchdowns. So it was something that I expected from the Spartans. But for me, it just... I don't think that this game should have been on the Spartan schedule because ultimately what's going to happen is it's just going to hurt their strength of schedule. And we'll get into uh, where the teams rank uh, here shortly. But these games where I know that, you know, you're playing a division down and uh, sometimes you play a division up, but this game is, but this game just it played out the way I thought it was going to play. I mean, there's nothing else I can say about it. And, you know, but kudos to the Spartans for continually uh, handling business. And I know it's going to prepare them for whenever they uh, get into their region matchups. And for them to get a shout-out on Friday Night Fever and Cam Cox giving Fernando Moya his, his, his flowers for making that huge running play that he was able to get near the end zone. So, so shout-outs to the Spartans. We can't wait to visit your campus for homecoming. But let's talk about this game that went down to the wire. The Barry Goldwater Bulldogs came into Apache Junction to play the Prospectors to a game that finished 41-40 to in favor of Barry Goldwater. If you're Apache Junction, how do you get over these tough losses? You already know that you're coming into this season a little undermanned we'd say but you're you still got a lot of history and a, and, a, and a lot of winning culture there in Apache Junction how do you put these tough one point losses behind you when you're you're clearly having a season that you weren't expecting you just got to kind of move on you know take the positives out of what happened here and you know it's it, it's always going to you can always take something away from a game to help you in your coming games. And I think that this offense is just, it's two-dimensional. It's Aiden DeLeon passing the ball, and it's Evan De La Cruz running the ball with a little bit of DeLeon running the ball. So to me, I don't know what the depth looks like, you know, and I don't know Who can step up, especially in the running back positions, to help maybe lessen the load on these two guys? Because together they rushed the ball for 28 uh, attempts for 162 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, DeLeon threw for 243 yards and four touchdowns. So it's pretty much that's where the soul of their offense is coming from, is between those two guys. And I don't, I, I would have to see if if they're both playing on both sides of the ball, because if they are, having that much workload on offense just between two guys has to definitely be draining, and maybe that's where these losses are coming from, where they don't have enough gas later on in the second half to pull away from a team. And that's something that we noticed last season with the prospectors, with all three of their star players playing on both sides of the ball. So that's something that's completely not unheard of coming from Apache Junction, but... It's a tough loss for the Junction boys, but we know that eventually they'll be able to get back on track, and they have a very good opportunity to do just that this Friday night. Now, let's talk about another positive thing in the Pinal County area. The ALA Ironwood Warriors make it 2-0 versus any Bulldog team this season as they take out the Sierra Linda Bulldogs 27-20. 
In overtime as well. In overtime. This is a team that was, just like a lot of others, was marred by many question marks. We got a little bit of, uh, we'll say, a sample size from them when we were able to see what kind of uh, team was at the Coolidge 7-on-7. We knew that this was a team with a lot of energy, a team with a lot of strength. So they they definitely had the capability to make some noise in this region. What did you think when you saw this final score and saw that they were able to put away the Bulldogs in overtime? I was absolutely impressed. I mean, that's their second 4A team that they've beat this year. Mm -hmm. And so you got to give them their kudos. I mean, they pretty much uh, rode on the back of Aiden Williams, who rushed the ball 40 times for 246 yards and two touchdowns. So you know, so you got to tip your hat to him when it comes to uh, being able to be called on that many times on the offensive end. But we know what type of player he is, and he is willing to be that dog to grind out a victory for his teammates. But one of the biggest things I have to have circled when it comes to ALA Ironwood is that defense. Four games in, they've given up 32 points. So they're averaging eight points a game that they're giving up. you got to be impressed with that, especially when they still have three tough uh, opponents in their region alone that uh, can put up a lot of points. Ultimately, they're another team that I have to uh, keep circled when it comes to how good those defensive those defenses are because you had asked me you know, about Coolidge possibly being one of the best defense in that 3A Central. But when you look at eight points a game that you're giving up, you have to be considered in that fight as well Mm -hmm. as one of the top dogs uh, when it comes to the defenses. I think uh, the only thing that they might just have to work on is maybe just developing a little bit of an aerial attack when it comes to uh, running the ball that many times. But We've seen teams pick up victories without it. I mean, Santan Foothills does it. Coolidge does it. And, you know, now you're seeing ALA Ironwood do it. So defense and running the ball, they're taking a page out of Post and Butte, I guess, because, you know, those are what those teams are known for. And uh, ALA Ironwood is no different. Speaking of Post and Butte, let's talk about their game against the Campo Verde Coyotes that they drop 6-30. to 30. This was a tough loss because even though they were playing up a level against a 5A team, this was a game where I was actually in their corner and hoping that they were able to pull this one out. But the Coyotes' offensive attack just proved to be way too much for this team in the second half. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Campo Verde, uh, if you listened to last week's episode, I I was still with you uh, as far as giving Post and Butte the edge, but I did say... Don't sleep on Campo Verde despite what their record says because I know that they're, you know, always in the running for the playoffs, mm-hmm. and I knew that it was going to be a tough matchup uh, for the Broncos. But you got to take into consideration their QB1 gets knocked out of the game uh, for a concussion, and that's so unfortunate because Mason Lloyd brings a different dynamic when it comes to being the starting quarterback uh, for the Broncos. And we know that they rely heavily on the, uh, the run. And so without him in there to really uh, run that read option that kind of develops into their passing attack, that is a tough order to ask uh, Jake Goings, who probably doesn't run it as smoothly as uh, Mason Lloyd. So the fact that they lost him early on in, in the game, to me, played a big role in why their offense probably couldn't get nothing going because at the end of the day, if you look at it, they rushed for only 53 yards. That's not very common for uh, the Broncos when it comes to their uh, their rushing attack. Uh, <clears throat> when it comes to their rushing attack and then for their defense to be able to make some stops. Yeah, you're not lying. One thing that definitely stood out to me when I was looking at their rushing stats, the amount of negative yards. Ja'Kai Robertson. With two carries, has one negative yard. Terod Kisto, one carry with negative four yards. And Jake Austin Goins had five carries with negative eight yards. It was a tough go for the Post and Butte ground game. And 
Campo just did everything they could to neutralize it, and they were extremely successful. This was something that they needed to get going themselves because had they not done that this game, they risked going into the season 0-3. Mm-hmm. And if you were posting butte, that's exactly what you were looking for. But you said it, having Mason go down early in the game with a concussion, and we had saw him get hurt in that Micah Mountain game as well. So seeing him go down that many times with injuries, I would like to put a little bit more emphasis on that offensive line. I would like to see them step it up a bit and protect their quarterback. Um, if you look at, at Jake's uh, stats himself, he didn't really have too much of a big game under center. He had a really big pass that, that uh, made up a big chunk of his yards. But other than that, it was a tough go for the Broncos all the way around. But I know that they'll have a chance to bounce back this week. And it was good to uh, see um, Mason's uh, dad, uh, Mr. Lloyd, kind of keep us updated on his health when it comes uh, to his concussion. So glad that, you know, there's nothing serious as far as um, post uh, concussion uh, symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that, you know, if he doesn't make it back this week, possibly next week, we'll see him back. I know uh, the Broncos will love to have him back. And I just, like I said, it was just something that happened to be unfortunate and kind of changed the course of this game. But, uh, you know, I got all the faith in the world when it comes to the Broncos, especially with their next man up mentality. And I know uh, Coach Dane Thompson is going to have them prepared this week. I have that same feeling, too. All right. Well, let's wrap up our talk about these games before we get into our game of the week with a very close one with the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks and the Copper Canyon Aztecs, a game that went down to the wire. The final score to this one, 17-21 to 21 in favor of the Aztecs. Did you think that Desert Sunrise was going to be able to come out in this game and put as much points on the board as they were and even make this game as close as they did? Absolutely. You know, uh, we talked about both programs that were struggling, so it was really anybody's game. And, you know, early on, you saw Desert Sunrise, who actually had the lead on uh, Copper Canyon. But unfortunately, uh, Copper Canyon was able to uh, battle back and steal the win away from uh, the Golden Hawks. But it was something like we uh, talk about. It's, it's a positive. You see them playing a team that is about their level. We know that Desert Sunrise is waiting for some of their transfers uh, to sit out their five games and they'll be back. And who knows, that may be a different team when they get all their pieces back. But you got to be proud of uh, the fight that they put up. Mike Wallace uh, threw for uh, 200 yards in a touchdown. Alexander Jones, 10 rushes for 106 yards in a touchdown. You also had him, you know, with two receptions and 98 uh, yards. And then you had uh, Kaiwan uh, uh, Cornish, who had five receptions for 78 yards. So ultimately, all around, you got to uh, look at it as, as a positive. Their defense uh, did uh, stellar to me. I think in order for them to um, have pulled out a victory on Friday, you just got to limit, limit the turnovers. I know, uh, you know, uh, QB1, uh, Mike Wallace had three interceptions, and maybe that changed the course of the game there. Yeah, the, the way that the Copper Canyon Aztecs played against Post and Butte, I was actually hoping that Desert Sunrise would be able to put away the Aztecs. Um, it wasn't the case this time, but if these teams play again the next season, I anticipate a huge dub for the Golden Hawks. But now that we're, we got all those games taken care of, let's talk about our game of the week. We went out to Eloy to watch the Santa Cruz Dust Devils completely dismantle the Bisbee Pumas on their home field, 42-0. to zero. What are some of your thoughts of this game that you feel was kind of left out when you look at just the final score? Well, I'll get this part out of the way because I know it was a lot of calls that we made um, regarding the referees. It was a lot of penalties, you know, but it, it did not dictate the course of this game. You know, it was equal on both sides if you look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can't sit there and say, well, the calls were very one-sided because they weren't. But for me, it was seeing the offense of Santa Cruz that finally flourished and 
you know, Nathan Harris connecting with multiple receivers and throwing for 309 yards and four touchdowns. So you got to uh, love seeing that when it comes to Santa Cruz's offense. I believe coming into that game, they were averaging 18 points a game, which is not something you want to have whenever you want to be a winning program. You want to put up a lot of points and make things easier on your defense. But you know uh, both of us, but you, uh, we both can agree that Santa Cruz defense also came to play as well. Oh, they were hitting hard. There were so many times where we were calling out Nick Manuel or Carlos Cruz for making a big tackle or or even a tackle for a loss because that was something that Bisbee showed me was this wasn't really a team that I would say is one-dimensional. This is a team that heavily relies on their quarterback, Sebastian Lopez. And unfortunately, he, you know, speaking to him at the end of the game, he had mentioned, you know, that loss against Douglas was really deflating. He's like, I feel like we came into this game with that same type of mentality of, uh, of being down, and Santa Cruz just jumped on us. And, and they did just that. Santa Cruz did not hold up. One thing that I will say that I am very happy for or proud of Santa Cruz is quarterback Nathan Harris. He showed to me that he has not only the poise but the strength to go out there and just sling the ball, stay up. There were so many times where I've seen him in traffic and having defenders on him and pulling on him where he would still be able to make the throw and and not only make the throw but the receiver put it in the receiver's hands. Mm-hmm. So huge shout-out to Nathan on that. He was a very deserving winner of the get-it-in player of the game. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Santa Cruz does throughout the rest of the season because if they're able to pull this type of intensity against every opponent that they face from here on out, you got to be scared of Santa Cruz. Oh, absolutely. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with if they can continue this. I mean, if uh, Nathan can uh, continue to get help from his receivers, like uh, Daniel Contreras, I mean, four receptions, 140 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Sean Luis Banda, you know, six receptions, 93 yards and a touchdown. They they caught 17 passes for the 309 yards and four touchdowns as a unit. And so if they're able to air the ball out like that and then you get the contributions on the ground from Jonathan Ramos, they're going to really be a tough team when it comes to the two-way uh, salt region, especially when uh, they have to face Chandler Prep, Santan Charter, and uh, even Heritage Academy, if they can gel like that and their defense can put pressure on the opposing offense, look out. Another thing that stood out to me is Santa Cruz's hands. They were able to air it out and catch the ball. One thing that was apparent to me, too, is freshman Chico Reyes. Last year was making noise for the Blue Devils. Justin, his freshman year, comes up to the Dust Devils and starts making noise. There was a huge interception where he made it look easy. He just spotted the ball coming towards him, made a quick change in his direction, was able to snatch it, grab it, and take off for at least 30 yards. So shout out to the young Reyes for doing his thing on the field. And I know that for the next three, four years to come, we're going to be mentioning Chico a lot. So just a quick update for uh, the way that the standings kind of look across the board. We'll go from the first team we started with to Santa Cruz at the end. In the 5A uh, Southern region, you got Buena at 3-0, Casa Grande, Desert View, and Cienega at 2-1, and and Sunnyside and Marana at 1-2. Then in the 2A Black, you have uh, Pima at 3-0, Globe at three and one, Alchese at two and one, St. John's at one and two, and Miami, ALA Anthem South, and San Carlos. All three are winless with ALA Anthem South at 0 and 4, and the other two at 0 and 3. And let me know if you uh, see any big surprises, you know, in these regions where you weren't expecting a team to be excelling uh, this early in the year. So we move into the 3A Central. You got Florence at 3-1, and one, ALA Ironwood and Coolidge both at 2-2, two and two, Santan Foothills at 1-3, and three, and Crisman at 0-4. Oh then we move into the 5A Sonoran region 
which uh, has uh, Maricopa in it. You have Ironwood Ridge and Maricopa at two and one, and that's a big surprise for me. Both teams Both that teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought was going to struggle. Uh, Tucson High at one and two, and Nogales Flowing Wells and Mountain View at zero and three. Okay, this has uh, what you were talking about. Um, you had said if I had a team that impressed me about how well they're doing this far in the season, the Tucson Badgers, bro. They are not the same Tucson team that we've seen in the past that have been the the South's punching bag. They're coming around with a whole new attitude, a different swagger in their coaching staff, and I feel that the game between them and Maricopa is going to be an explosive battle. I couldn't agree with you more, man. It's uh, And I wouldn't even ride off Mountain View yet. Mountain View has played three quality opponents this year. Very tough team. And I know that... I had them going five and five, and that was all their wins were going to come into uh, their region play. So it's going to be something that is going to uh, be a lot of fun to watch, especially with how many teams uh, we didn't expect to be successful so far. Mm-hmm. So let's move into the 4A Desert Sky, which has Vista Grande, Desert Sunrise, and Combs. You have Arizona College Prep, Vista Grande, and Arcadia all at 3-0. and Mesquite at one and two, and Desert Sunrise zero and two, and Combs zero and three. Any surprises there? The surprise would have to be that Arcadia Vista Grande would be that Arcadia and Vista Grande are top challengers for ACP's top spot. That that's definitely a huge eye opener for me. All right, so let's move into the other four A region, which is the four A East Sky. You have Eastmark and Marcos Deniza at two and one, Snowflake Post and Butte at one and two, and Apache Junction zero and three. This is a little opposite one. I would say that I'm more surprised at the woes of Snowflake as opposed to how well they're doing. I would have thought that they would be doing a little bit better this season, wouldn't you? Um, I definitely would have. Um, I do know that they're another team that played some tough matchups to start off. They played Bradshaw Mountain and Cactus, losing to Bradshaw Mountain by 10 and to Cactus by only three points before they went out and uh, routed uh, Sholo last week, winning 55-17. to 17. So those first two matchups weren't easy for any team mm-hmm. that's uh, in that uh, 4A East Sky region, but we'll see. We still got a lot of ball uh, left to play. Yes, sir. And our final region, we have the two-way salt region, which has Chandler Prep at 4-0, Santan Charter at 3-1, Heritage Academy and Santa Cruz at 2-1, NFL Yet and Arte Prep at 1-3, and, and Sequoia Pathway at 0-3. Not, not a whole lot of surprises coming from that region. Um, I'm pretty sure that everybody who had solely used last year's rankings to put people where they are are very surprised to see Sequoia Pathway where they are. Um, but I think that this 2A salt region is going to belong to Chandler Prep this year. All right. Already making your decision there, huh? Already. Okay. Well, uh, let's look at the rankings uh, for each division. Um, what, since we uh, just ended off uh, with the 2A, let's look at where our uh, three 2A teams stand. So with the big win against uh, Bisbee, Santa Cruz has now moved into the number 10 spot, while Sequoia Pathway has dropped down to 28, and ALA Anthem South is at 42. So with Santa Cruz's win against Bisbee, it shows just how much a strength of schedule can definitely matter. I believe they were outside the top 16 uh, when it was coming into last week and now have moved into the and now have moved into the top 10. Yeah, and they're actually one spot ahead of undefeated Chandler Prep, who is in their region. So very interesting to see what is to come of this 2A division. All right, now let's take a look at the 3A division rankings. Leading the pack for Pinal County would be number nine, Florence. Coolidge is on the outside looking in. Coolidge at 17, ALA Ironwood at 19. Would you expect to see these rankings shaken up after next week it definitely possibly could uh especially when you look at a uh, coolidge and ala ironwood 
but I think where each team is at, I'm kind of okay with. I know uh, Santan Foothills having three losses already on their record. You know, they're kind of in that 20 uh, spot, which is kind of hard to start moving up, especially depending on what the top 20 teams start doing. And, you know, at the end of the day, you want to get into that top 16. And mind you, these are just the max preps rankings. Once the AIA starts revealing their rankings in October, we will start going off of that as that's the most accurate ranking that we have. So uh, these these ones right now, we'll just kind of go off that. But I'm pretty pleased with it. It's good to see that Florence is uh, making a name for themselves and are in that top 10. So let's move into the 4A division where we have Post and Butte leading the way at 14, Vista Grande at 24, Apache Junction at 26, Combs at 29, and Desert Sunrise at 51. Any surprises uh, there for you? Not really. I'm really wondering why a lot of these teams are where they are in these rankings. I'm pretty sure that uh, Max Preps just puts a lot of value behind strength of schedule. But like you said, I'm really curious to see what these AIA rankings look like when they come out in October. All right, the 5A division rankings. On the outside looking in, Casa Grande is 18, and our final 5A team is going to be Maricopa sitting at 29. Uh, do you think that that's an improvement for Maricopa to be sitting where they are right now in this division rankings? Oh, absolutely. They're starting to, you know, trend upward. And I think if they can continue that, they're going to continue to uh, slowly uh, climb the ladder. But once again, they'll probably be sitting higher once they play uh, some region matchups where uh, some opponents continue to win. And also, w- when you think about it, especially 3A through uh, 5A, you want to root for the teams that you beat. Mm-hmm. You know, because the more that they win, the better your strength of schedule becomes. And so I think when you look at it, Casa Grande's going to have an opportunity to try and move into that top 16. You know, Vista Grande at 24, even though they've been so successful, not only uh, this year, but last year as well. I thought personally they're, they're a little bit lower than where I would have had them. But we'll, we'll see uh, how things uh, play out through the remainder of the season. Uh, before we go, I kind of want to play a quick game with you, and then we'll wrap things up. I want to make this rapid fire, all right? I'm going to give you the two teams that are playing each other, and within three seconds, so you've you got to give it. me a winner. Yeah. All right, so you're changing it up on me, huh? Okay, so starting off this week for Pinal County, we got Chandler Prep at Sequoia Pathway. Winner. Uh, Chandler Prep. Okay. What about you? Chandler Prep. We have a very special presentation of Friday Night Fever in the city of Casa Grande as the Maricopa Rams face the Casa Grande Cougars for a Pinal County clash. Who do you got? I'm going Casa Grande all the way, three years in a row. Cougars, baby. Okay, another Pinal County clash. The ALA Ironwood Warriors come down to Larry Delbridge Stadium to face the Coolidge Bears. Who do you got? Low-scoring affair. I'm going uh, Coolidge Bears. Uh, to sneak that one out, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be with you on this one. I think that Coolidge has definitely enough to overpower ALA in this one. The third and final Pinal County clash on this schedule: the Apache Junction Prospectors will travel to Santan Valley to face the Santan Foothills SaberCats. Who are you with? Oh man, rapid fire! Um, I'm gonna go Santan Foothills. Um, I just think that coming off that loss to uh, Florence, they're going to want to get back in the winner's circle. So I think that this time around, I know last year they got blown out, uh, you know, and there was talks about why were they even facing Apache Junction. I think they get some revenge on Friday. Okay, well, I want to give a quick shout. I know it was rapid fire, but I want to give a quick shout out to Raf for his video of the Foothills football documentary. It was a great piece of work. And one thing that he had mentioned to highlight in that was me saying that we want to give Coach a little bit of doubt this season. So, in doing so, I'm going to give him a little bit of doubt and put my faith behind the Junction Boys on this one. The Florence Gophers play the Rio Rico Redhawks. Who you got? 
I'm going with Florence, man. Rio Rico hasn't been playing good ball. Florence is going to take that one decisively. What about the ALA Anthem South Titans taking on the Wilcox Cowboys? Even though Wilcox uh, is currently winless, they're going to pick up their first victory against ALA Anthem South. So I, I agree. All right, in their bounce-back game, the Post and Butte Broncos will travel to Round Valley to play the Elk. Who you got? Well, I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout this year because I said that last year and uh, Round Valley stuck around with them uh, very closely. If Mason Lloyd is healthy and he's playing in this ball game, I'm going to give the edge uh, to Post and Butte. I just think it's going to be a little bit closer this year. I think so too. Edge goes to PB. All right, this was a game that I'm very excited for. The Prescott Badgers come to Casa Grande to play the Vista Grande Spartans. Who you got? Oh, man, that is a tough one. Uh, you know, I got all the confidence in the world when it comes to the Spartans this year. They're they're playing good ball. I just don't think they've played a team like Prescott uh, yet. So I'm waiting to see how this game pans out. But I'm going to give the edge to Prescott. All right. I, you know, I, I tend to agree with you on this one because I, I too feel that this is going to be the toughest test yet for Vista Grande. So the way we've actually got to see Prescott in the pass play, I have no choice but to, to put my bid behind them as well. Coming off their big win against Bisbee, the Santa Cruz Dust Devils will host the Arate Prep Chargers. I got to go with the hot team right now. I'm going to go with Santa Cruz. Hopefully they keep that offense going and that defense uh, does what it does. Bring the fireworks. Now the Combs Coyotes will try to make their attempt at getting their first win against the Maryvale Panthers. Do you think that they're able to do this? It's going to be a good matchup. I I have no doubt about that. Um, I just don't know how that offense is looking when it comes to Combs. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to ride with them this week. I think that they pick up their first victory. Okay, you know what? I'm going to stand on the opposite end of you and, and give my edge to the Maryvale Panthers. All right, the final game on our docket. The Flagstaff Eagles versus the Desert Sunrise Golden Hawks. Who flies higher? I mean, both teams are struggling this year. Uh so I'm hoping that that's another good matchup uh, for Desert Sunrise. But I think I'm going to give the edge to uh, Flagstaff here, and it's just going to be solely based on experience. I, I agree with you on that one. I was going to give the edge to Flagstaff for that very same reason. All right, but before we go into our game of the weeks uh, this week, and I said it plurally, <laughs> um, what is your no-doubter pick? My no-doubter for this week? Is going to be Chandler Prep taking the win over Sequoia Pathway. What about you? I'm going to take uh, Florence over Rio Rico. That's a good one. Now your sleeper pick. Who my, do you got pulling that upset? My sleeper pick. The upset that could very well happen on, on this schedule is going to be Vista Grande beating the Prescott Badgers. What about you? I like that. That was a good one. Um, for me... I mean, there's a couple that I can choose from. But you know what? I'm going to go Desert Sunrise over Flagstaff. All right. I was hoping that you would kind of lean that way because in, in, in me quarter zone, I was feeling that way too. All right. Well, before we wrap up the show, as you can see, we didn't have a Pinal County uh, game of the week this week. Uh, you know, we're taking our broadcast to uh, Southern Arizona to cover not only one but two uh, Southern Arizona uh, matchups on Thursday night. We will be down in Push Ridge to see the Catalina Foothills uh, Falcons take on the uh, Push Ridge Lions. Who are you liking in that one? That one, I'm liking the Push Ridge Lions based on their performance. But if if I got to look at the the uniforms, if you look at uh, Catalina Foothills helmets, when we get a chance to look at them later tonight, look at their their their. Helmet, and tell me if it's reminiscent of the old Suns Valley jerseys. All right. I definitely will. I'm going to take uh, Push Ridge uh, as well uh, tonight. But then coming into Friday, you have the Battle of the Boot. 
which is going to be the Mountain View Mountain Lions versus the Marana uh, Tigers. Both teams uh, have struggled this year. Mer- Mountain View is uh, winless, while Marana is uh, one and two. Who's taking home the boot? Uh, the boot's going to go to Marana. I feel like even though Mountain View is winless, but if you look at the teams that they play, they've taken some licks from some very good teams. I think that Marana's going to come in and, and take this one. It, it was originally scheduled to take place in Marana, but because of fielding issues, it will be played at Mountain View High School. And this is something that I'm very excited for because this is legitimately in your backyard. Right across the street. And when the game is over, we, we can walk home. <laughs> That's going to be a first, uh, you know, for both of us, actually. Like, uh, I'm, I'm excited for it, though. Something different, getting out of our comfort zone a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for uh, those games, but I'm also excited for some Pinal County uh, Thursday and Friday night games as I'm going to be keeping uh, track on that Sequoia Pathway game on Thursday and, of course, uh, keeping track of how everybody's doing out here on Friday night uh, when it comes to Pinal County. So definitely want to uh, wish the best to all of our teams. But uh, if you don't have anything else, bro, you know how to close the show. Take it easy.